Scary Mysteries Twisted News The Sergeant and the Serial Killer Terrifying cases of true crimes and strange events. Every week, Twisted News dives into two mysterious and scary cases currently happening in our world. This week, it's a little different where we'll tackle the intriguing story about how a detective worked for so many years getting into the mind of a notorious serial killer that he was actually able to convince him into a confession on a decades-long double murder case. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted News. The Sergeant and the Serial Killer It was the summer of 1974. The day couldn't be more perfect for Mary Ann Pryor and Lorraine Kelly to go out and have some fun. The two best friends had planned to go together to the Garden State Plaza a mall that was in Paramus, New Jersey. Since they couldn't get a ride with Marianne's older sister, Nancy, they decided to catch a bus to the establishment, which was miles away from their home in North Bergen. What their families didn't know was that this day would be the last that they would see the girls alive. Because five days later, on August 14th, the bodies of two teenagers were found dumped in a wooded area behind an apartment parking lot in Montvale, New Jersey. The victims were later identified by the police to be Pryor and Kelly. They were both lying face down on the ground side by side like two abandoned ragdolls. An investigation was immediately conducted and the initial information indicated that they were last seen at a nearby bus stop. Detectives then surmised that the two had bailed out on their ride and decided to hitchhike towards their destination instead. Subsequent efforts from the authorities yielded nothing. People were questioned, boyfriends, friends, and family members. However, the police couldn't find any reason to suspect any of them, and thus they were cleared from the investigation. Months then turned into years and years into decades, Still, no one knew who committed the brutal crime. If it weren't for one dedicated sleuth, Robert Anzalotti, the situation would have forever remained as it was. But Anzalotti was so determined on cracking the case that he had to come up with unusual means to ensure the success of his efforts. He offered friendship, and this is how it all began. In 2000, Anzalotti was working for the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office. This was when he came across the case file of the two teenage girls, and this particular case left a huge impression on him, so he continued to pursue the truth behind it even towards the twilight of his career. His incessant search for leads then brought him a name, Richard Cunningham. Cottingham was in New Jersey State Prison at the time of the inquest. He was there after being found guilty of committing some brutal murders. Around the 1970s, the convicted killer brought terror in and around New York City's Times Square. He was known as the Butcher of Times Square and was infamous for targeting prostitutes whom he raped 
tortured, killed, and then dismembered. The father of three claimed his first blood in 1979. Didi Gudarzi, a sex worker, and her unnamed companion were found murdered inside a hotel in Times Square. Their bodies were mutilated and some of the parts were set on fire. The following year, New York police discovered the body of a young woman at an inn. She bore numerous bite marks and her body was practically purple after receiving severe beatings. Medical examiners said that she had ultimately died of asphyxiation. Then in the months that followed, two more women were found dead and dismembered around the areas of New York and New Jersey. The butcher's reign of terror then came to an end in 1980 when a woman, whom he attempted to torture and murder, got help from the motel staff. The criminal was then caught red-handed and arrested. Found in his possession were countless torture instruments, such as knives, collars, leather contraptions, and handcuffs. His trials in New Jersey and New York spanned three years before he was ultimately sentenced to 300 years in prison. At that time, authorities confirmed that he had officially killed five people, but it turns out there were more. Detective Anzalotti had a hunch that the killer might have had something to do with Pryor and Kelly's murder. In 2003, he then made his first approach. Although they started off on the wrong foot, the detective eventually struck a connection with the inmate. In the months and years that followed, Anzalotti would come up with plans just for him and Cottingham to have some one-on-one time together. It even came to a point where he would arrange to have the prisoner come to his office in person And there, they would enjoy activities commonly shared by friends like eating pizza, playing cards, and talking about anything. In some of the meetings, the officer would prompt people to leave him alone with the suspected killer. It was in those moments that Cottingham, out of his growing confidence with the man, revealed the real story behind the undeclared crimes that he had committed. In one instance the inmate recalled a 29-year-old mother whom he had strangled in her car in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, way back in 1967. The details he divulged were surprisingly intimate and very accurate. In 2010, Cottingham pleaded guilty to that killing. The two continued to meet at the detective's office. One time in 2014, while he was driven back to prison, The aging convict suddenly talked about a girl he once picked up in Hackensack, New Jersey. Her name was Irene Blaze. Blaze was found lifeless in Saddle River, New Jersey back in 1969. In the same way with the first case, the old man poured out some facts about the crime that only he and law enforcement could know. It didn't take long before Cottingham began to reveal yet another of his heinous exploits, and this time it was about Denise Velasca, the 15-year-old runaway whose body was found abandoned near a cemetery in 1969. Then came the third, Jackie Harp. 
The 13-year-old was abducted while she was walking home from practice in 1968. Cottingham also admitted responsibility for this. And aside from the 85 to 100 murders, he further claimed the three latter confessions were fully verified and later added to the man's rap sheet. Then came the year 2020, and due to the pandemic, the detective in Cottingham barely met or spoke. Meanwhile, Anzalotti still couldn't get over the mystery behind the Kelly and Pryor murders. He did ask his white-bearded friend from the prison about it, but he blatantly denied any involvement. In March of the same year, the detective called for the inmate to come into his office finally. And there, he revealed his upcoming retirement. He was then surprised to hear the convicts plead to reconsider his plan. In the following weeks, the two continued to see each other, and their bond had obviously grown stronger than ever. This is ultimately probably the reason why, when prompted to talk about the Kelly Pryor case, the suspected killer no longer refused. And so, on April 14, 2020, in a recorded interview, Cottingham disclosed the gruesome truth about what happened to the two teenage girls from North Bergen. Back then, Cottingham was only 28 years old. He was on his way to work in Manhattan when he spotted Kelly and Pryor walking along the road. He stopped and invited them in for a ride. He brought them to their destination at the mall, but the bad weather seemed to prevent them from going outside. Instead, they stayed in the vehicle, where they had a long conversation. Cottingham later revealed on tape how he convinced the girls to go to a motel and there held them captive for several days. It was there that the two were repeatedly sexually assaulted and tortured before ultimately being murdered by drowning them in the bathtub. Cottingham told Anzalotti, the place where he dumped the bodies, a fact that was fully verified. This and all the haunting details he poured out in that interview led authorities to believe that after 47 years, they had finally caught the culprit of the crime. Just weeks later, Cottingham was brought to court where he was indicted and pleaded guilty on the abduction, rape, and murder of Kelly and Pryor back in 1974. He now awaits his sentencing, which, according to reports, will likely to be additional jail time on top of his current prison term. After the hearing, the detective shook hands with his unlikely friend. He further thanked the serial killer for the privilege of finally being able to solve the cold case that had bothered him throughout his long career. So there was one of the most intriguing and shocking cold case stories around. The world can be a crazy place and Twisted News is sure to show you why. If you guys enjoyed this video, then please subscribe to our channel. We have new videos coming out every single week for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you soon.